Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. Welcome back to the Agent of Wealth. This is your host, Mark Boudis. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the biggest mistakes that I see people making with their 401ks. So gone are the days when companies provided that nice little pension when you retired, and now you're responsible for saving for your own retirement. And for most people, the vehicle that they do that in is a 401k. A year ago, there was an estimate that there was $4.8 trillion held in 401ks across the country. So that just gives you some perspective about how big these plans have become. And I think their intention when they were created was to supplement pensions. And over time, they've basically replaced pensions. So they're critically important. If at some day you want to stop uh, working, you need to have assets saved. And one of the, the ways that the government promotes saving is in a 401k where there's some tax benefits to saving. So what we're going to do is we're going to break this topic up into three episodes. So the first one is today we'll talk about um, mistakes around contributing. Then the next episode, we'll talk about mistakes around investing or allocating your contributions. And then the third, we'll talk about mistakes that I see people make when withdrawing from or taking distributions from their 401k. So the first mistake is not contributing. And usually talk about retirement as a three-legged stool. When do you start saving? How early do you start saving? How much do you actually save per year? And then, you know, that rate of return or what return are you getting on those those savings? All three are are critical to how much money you'll have saved for retirement. But the uh, the two that we're going to talk about in this episode is when to start saving and how much to save. It's definitely critical to start saving as early as possible. The high level calculation is that, you know, the amount that you'll need to save to replace your salary in retirement, it's 10% of your income from when you start working. So let's say you, you know, graduate college, you get a job. If you, if someone would save 10% every year into a vehicle like a 401k, they're probably going to be fine by the time they're in their 60s or 65 to replace their income. And that includes, you know, most likely over the years, their salary will increase. By keeping that 10% fixed over the years, their contributions will increase as well. Now, most people don't save that 10% from when they start working. So what they have to do now, it's it's a game of catch-up that they have to play. And the longer that you wait, that 10% becomes more and more that you have to save. And that's where that leg of how much are you saving, um, you know, the later you start becomes more. So 10% can go as high as 20%, 30%. And then I see some people come in in their 50s and say, well, I wish I would have saved more. And, you know, you look at what they would have to save going forward. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a number, it's a percentage that's, that's really unsustainable or, or impossible for them to meet. So getting started on your contributions, it's critical. A lot of companies have gone to this automatic contribution. So as soon as you start working or whenever you're eligible for your 401k, it starts at a percentage, sometimes 3%, sometimes as high as 5%. You have the ability to opt out 
which obviously I don't recommend. And then sometimes it has these auto escalation parts in it. So like, say for example, you know, when you first start work, working at 3% and then every year after it increases by a percent, 1% until it hits 10% and that's where it, where it stops. And you obviously have the ability to change that at any point. My recommendation is not to go with the minimum contribution that the plan starts with, but calculate where you are, how old you are, what you have saved, how much you would need to save and, and really start saving at that. And the earlier you start, it's definitely the better. All right. So now onto the second one, which is not taking advantage of an employer match. Another one that seems pretty obvious, but there's uh, so many people out there that don't do this. Employer match, it's, it's free money, basically. So let's say you can't save the 10% per year. You should at least target saving enough to get the full employer match. And employer matches are all different. The most common one that you'll see is that they'll match 50% of what you put in up to 6% of your salary. As an example, to get a match of 3%, you have to put in 6%. But some are even higher where you can get a match of 4%, 5%. The employer is not limited in what they can match. If the plan wants to fall under certain um, characteristics, one of them is called safe harbor, they have to provide a minimum match. So the matches come in all different flavors. It's important to figure out what your plan's match is and then make sure you're at least putting that much in at, at a minimum. Next mistake is uh, along the lines of contributions, it's underestimating how much someone will need to save. The most common question I get from people looking to really see where they are and, and how they're projecting to retirement or even if they're close to going into retirement, they'll come in and they'll say, all right, here's how much we have saved here. Here's how much I have saved in my 401k. Is it enough? And to answer to that question, it's always dependent on how much they'll spend in retirement or what their yearly projected spend is. I've seen people say, well, I've saved a million or I've saved two million and that's enough. But a lot of times they forget about taxes and inflation. Inflation is very high now, but even if we use low numbers, let's say we say, all right, inflation is going to increase at three, an average of 3% per year, the prices of everything will double every 20 years. If inflation's at 5% per year, the prices will double every 14 years. Another thing that people forget is that every dollar that you take out of your 401k, a portion of it goes to the IRS. Um, so you've gotten that tax year every year that you've made contributions. And the same thing on the employer match side, they've gotten the tax benefit for contributing to your 401k. Um, so you get that deduction every year. And then you also get, you know, you don't have to, you don't get the 1099 each year that says your 401k earned this much income or made this much money. So you get to defer paying tax on any of the income and gains. But when you do take the distributions out in retirement, you pay tax on every every dollar that comes out of it. So we'll talk about whether it makes sense to go with a pre-tax or a Roth component of it. Uh, it's going to come down to what tax bracket they're in now, what tax bracket do they think they'll be in in the future. But the benefit to deferring taxes is definitely quantifiable. Like someone will come to me and say, well, it's great that I get a deduction this year and making my contributions, but I'm just going to have to pay the taxes when I take the money out. Why even bother doing it? And then to further on that point, they'll say, well, if I just saved in a regular, like let's say taxable investment account, any of my gains are going to be taxed at either dividend rates or long-term capital gains rates, which may be lower than when you take money out of a 401k in retirement, it's taxed as ordinary income. So again, you're playing with the tax brackets and at what tax will you pay on any money that comes out of a 401k versus other options. But that 
benefit of the 401k that I talked about where you're able to defer taxes, it definitely is quantifiable. So let's take an example. Let's say you have $100,000 in your 401k and you're going to add 10000 a year to it over the next 20 years. And if we use an assumption that you're in a 24% tax bracket and that the investments in your 401k are going to get an 8% average return, you'll have in your 401k about $925,000 after 20 years. So now we know that you're going to have to pay tax on that. But after paying tax on that, those distributions, the 401k has a value of about 775000 If we did that same scenario, but saving the 10000 per year in a taxable investment account, you'd have 696000 after 20 years. And that's after paying all your taxes. So it's a true 696000 So you're really looking at a difference of 75,000 over 20 years just from the tax benefits of the deferring, being able to defer taxes rather than, and having that larger amount compound in the 401k rather than if you saved in the same exact investments, the same amount per year in a regular taxable account. So there is definitely a benefit to deferring taxes on the 401k. The next uh, mistake that I see people make, it's, it's that they'll stop their contributions. Um, you know, they, maybe they start out you know, making contributions and then, you know, maybe they start a family or they buy a house and want to do an addition or they want to buy a house. There's all kinds of things that can come up. And, you know, my recommendation is set that 401k contribution at, you know, that high percentage. Like I said, you know, if you can start at that 10% and just kind of forget about it, forget that you're contributing to it, you know, hold that contribution to the 401k sacred and, and try not to stop it for any reason. I know that emergencies may come up and someone will, will have to stop, but it's really hard to resume your contributions once you stop. You know, I'll see people say, oh, I'm going to temporarily stop because I want to put an addition on, or I need to buy a car, or I need to do this. And like I said, it's really hard to to get the contributions going back again because you learn to utilize that extra money that's now coming into your paycheck that was going into your 401k. Another thing I see people do is they'll wait to the end of the year to contribute to their 401k. So you're actually able to make contributions up to your 401k up until December 31st of the year, and you can do it any way you want to do it. You can not contribute anything and then write in your last paycheck, make as big of a contribution as your paycheck is. But I'm going to recommend automating it and making it monthly. One, you can kind of forget about it. Two, you learn to live without that money, um, which is hard, because especially if you're going from not contributing to contributing, and now there's going to be a decrease in your paycheck that you'll have to learn how to live live without. And I'm a proponent of basically automating anything you can do with your finances. It's shown people have more success if they automate versus if they have to manually take action to do something. The last one we're going to talk about is forgetting that you have a Roth option in your 401k. Most 401k plans offer two options when your contributions go in. You can either get that pre-tax contribution, which you get the deduction, which is great. Um, you know, if you earn a hundred thousand dollars a year and you make a ten thousand dollar contribution, when it comes time to pay tax, you'll pay tax on ninety thousand dollars. So it, it's really good. You get that instant, you know, win of getting that deduction. But then, like I said, you do have to pay tax at the end. Versus the Roth component of it, where you don't get the deduction. You pay tax on money that you earn, and it's after-tax money that goes into the Roth. But the great benefit of this is you never have to pay tax on that again as long as you use it in retirement. So it kind of takes the future tax brackets out of the equation. No one knows what they'll be. Sure, there's a good chance that they'll go up, 
um, there's a good chance that your income is going to change and that would move you into different tax brackets in retirement. And it's really no one answer for everyone where it's, oh no, you everyone should do the pre-tax or everyone should do the Roth or everyone should do a combination. You really have to look at what tax bracket you're in now and then what tax bracket do you see yourself in the future. There's different variations where it's not just a blanket statement that you can make. So for example, someone could be younger now, just starting out. Maybe the Roth component of it makes sense because they're in a low tax bracket. Their deduction now wouldn't be that much. However, in the future, their income may increase, may put them in a higher tax bracket. Then that pre-tax uh, contribution makes makes sense. Um, another thing to think about too is, you know, we're in uh, midway through 2022. The market has dropped in the first half of this year. So if you're putting money into the Roth component now, the idea is, well, I'll get that recovery or I'll get that growth back and or I'm able to purchase more shares in the Roth component where that growth is going to be under this tax-free umbrella versus the tax-deferred umbrella where I'll, of the pre-tax where I'll have to pay tax on it again. So you really have to look at it from your specific situation. And again, there isn't a known. No one knows what tax brackets will be in the future. So some people will say, well, I just want to, maybe I'm just going to hedge it and I'll put 50% of my contributions into a Roth, 50% into a pre-tax. And that reason is at least I'll have some money saved in there. Like I said, I see a lot where, you know, people have a, a lot saved in a, in a, their pre-tax 401k. And then, you know, once they think about, well, 20%, 30% or 40% of it is actually going to be eaten up in taxes. It can't uh, support as much of an income in retirement as they initially thought that it could. So the Roth is like a true, this is what the assets are. There's no tax that's going to be taken out. So there is definitely a benefit to that. All right. So that just about wraps up today's show. You know, we talked about contribution mistakes today. A lot of these are basic. They're well known. And I wanted to do that to just set the foundation of the 401k and what's the the right way to approach it. Then the next two episodes, we'll talk about investing in the 401k and withdrawing from the 401k. And I think some of those mistakes and some of the issues that I see people making are not as uh, common or not as well known. Um, and then if you obviously, if you don't get the contributions right, or if you don't actually contribute to your 401k, there's nothing to talk about with uh, regard to allocating the funds or, or withdrawing them. So they're definitely extremely important. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.